Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This song is good. Welcome to Growing Up with Gaudem, the show where we explore the stories, struggles, and triumphs of growing up as people of colour. I'm Natty Kasambala. And I'm Nyala Arboin. Each week, our guests respond to old diary entries, letters, notes, or texts from their younger selves, helping us understand how their coming of age made them who they are today. Morning, Nye. Morning, morning. <laughs> how are you? I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. I I have an announcement, and I think I think you'll be pleased to hear it. I think everyone oh. listening will be pleased to hear it. Now that we're four seasons deep, ask me what it is. <laughs> oh, sorry. What is your announcement, Natty? <laughs> <laughs> thank Thank you, Knight. Thank you so much for asking. I <laughs> I have actually started journaling. I'm pleased to oh. announce. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What will you talk about now on the podcast that you've started? What am I going to talk about? I'll be like, you know what? I know what you mean by that because I too, <laughs> I too, I too have a journal. <laughs> I too am a journaler. I'm a journal journalist. <laughs> a journalist. In every sense journaler. of the word. A journaler, a journalist, all of it. I have finally. What prompted this? What the hell? Honestly, I mean, just life, struggling with life. But no, you know what it is? I think, as I've said, roughly a thousand times on the podcast like my problem with journaling is I have no discipline in Mm -hmm. anything in any aspect of my life and the idea of routine I just fail at it all all the time misconception about journaling 
It really is. And I think I've always loved having the books. I've loved like the stationery. I've loved all of these kind of like practices around it. But I always felt that like, because I couldn't be consistent, I was Mm. failing at it. And when I would fail, I would give up. And then I just have these like amazing pretty books with three pages written in them. And (laughs) and the rest of them are empty. And then I got one earlier this year. Like I I made my own and like made the design, the cover, all of this stuff. Yeah. And again, I wrote one page in it. Never went back. And then was this thing was just like taunting me in my living room, just staring at me like, you, you're nothing. <laughs> you're going to be broken forever. <laughs> and then something really embarrassing happened to me this week. And I was so full of adrenaline that I was like, mm. I'm not going to be able to move on with my life tonight until I get rid of this energy somehow. And I sat down. It was like 11 p.m. I sat down at my desk. And I just journaled like everything that was that I was feeling, like broke it down by like by points. Was like making jokes. Was just like flowing it out. And by the time I finished, I literally did not care about the thing that had just happened to me. And it just See? felt like a real breakthrough. I love and I'm that. Like, that is yeah. why we do it. Yeah, I was like, this thing actually works. And like, maybe it's okay that it's not a diary and it's not like a day by day play yeah, by play of no. like everything that I do and feel, but like just a place to put your feelings when you can't call someone or text someone or like send yeah. a 10 minute voice note. So I finally see oh, the beauty of journaling. I love that for you. Are you journaling at the moment? Are you going to be journaling for your New Year's resolutions? What's the vibe there? Oh yeah, I will be. I like to always write a list. Do of you? things for like oh possibly the next year. But it's never Definitely. like big goals like I need this to earn this amount. It's like just small things or reminders mm. or things to feel like I think sometimes I often forget to like feel gratitude. Mm. And so I think that's something I'm kind of concentrating more on rather than I need to change myself to the, or all these bad things are happening. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of being like, these are some good things that are happening. I should feel grateful for my yeah. friends and family and where I am and just kind of, yeah. So I will definitely be doing a gratitude roundup, I think. I, I love that you? as well. Yeah, I'm, I've never been a person to do resolutions. I find... And maybe I'm, maybe this is very Buddhist of me. I find wanting things just <laughs> terrible. Just the more you want, the more disappointed mm. you are. So I always find that every time I do resolutions, I'm like, I again, I feel like I'm failing when I don't achieve them. Yeah, I so I, at some point time. I just, yeah, I just stopped. But I think your way of kind of doing it is maybe something that I am going to look into. Just I think even more so like like you're saying of you know being grateful. I really like at the end of the year to look back on the year we've had and just be like Mm. okay like I have not processed the fact that this is the first year I've lived in a country without my parents or the first year Mm. I've supported myself fully freelance you know and like just actually processing that like yeah maybe you cried too much this year but like maybe there were reasons for that and maybe that was just we had reasons to cry we had reasons (laughs) and now we have grown from that and now we can like move on to the next reason to cry (laughs) I love that (laughs) yeah Anyway. Bring on more tears in 2023. Yeah, on a happier note though, our guest today is of Yorkshire and Macanese descent. Ooh. Don't get that combo very often. <laughs> they can bowl a ball at speeds in excess of 70 miles per hour. Wow, 70 miles per hour. Wow, that is pretty fast. That could be, are we talking about bowling? Are we talking about rounders? Are we talking about baseball? <laughs> You know what? Maybe one of our facts might answer that question. 
Okay, not this one though, but maybe the next one. This one is that they have solved a Rubik's Cube live on Sky Sports in just 33 seconds. That must be like near a world record. That's wild. So also a genius. (laughs) Yeah. And lastly, when they first played in the Women's Cricket Super League, our guest chose the shirt number 95 as a reference to the racing number of Lightning McQueen from Pixar's animation path. Wow. Love that. That could only be the one and only Izzy Wong. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, how are you? Yes, good, good, good. Really excited to have you on. I thought it would be cool if you could maybe start by telling us a little bit about who you are, what you do and how you like show up in the world. Yeah, so my name's Izzy. I'm a professional cricketer. I don't know what else to say. They always say, like, what do you kind of do? And I'm like, well, I kind of wake up and then I go to training and then I get coffee and then I go back to bed, like... And then I just wake up the next day and do the same thing. <laughs> a simple person with simple I guess needs. We that, love that. that kind of sums it up. I, I'm a Liverpool fan. Sometimes I eat Cocoa Pops for breakfast. And my coffee order is an oat flat white. So I think that sums up most parts of my daily being. Love that. I wish I was a flat white girly, but I'm like, I feel like I'm getting ripped off. It's too sad. <laughs> <laughs> you are, I think, our first athlete. Can you talk to us a bit more about sports and kind of like your relationship to it? Yeah, so I've always kind of loved sport, I guess. I've played, like, all sorts. When I, my, so my dad is a massive Liverpool fan, football. So when I was younger, it was, like, kicking a ball around in the garden. I quickly realised I wasn't very good at that, so I played in goal because you don't have to use your feet as much until I was about 14, 15. But, yeah, I started playing cricket when I was about five or six, maybe. Played tennis from pretty much when I could walk until I was about 11. I dabbled in a bit of hockey and a sport called fives. I did, you know, kind of bits of athletics here and there. Yeah, I just kind of got involved with, with everything. I, I think I had a lot of energy. So it was like, oh, do you fancy doing this? That's like, yeah, go on then. Uh, sounds good. Mm. That's amazing. I always remember being like so jealous of the people at my school who were just like, just like naturals at every sport. No matter what what week it was, you just they could just go in and they would just play incredibly. And I was always that person who's like, get me in like specifically the 100. That's my, that's my only one lane. And then everything else was like, it's a bit of a wrap. I feel um, like the 100 is pretty flexible though. There's there's a lot of skills in the one, well, I mean, there's one skill in the 100, but you can kind of use it in so many in other two, things. Yeah. Yeah. Like get you the ball in rugby on the wing and you'd be down like a flash. Okay, yeah. It's just the other rules that, you know, yeah, the other get in my way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I just specifically remember just always being like, oh my God, there were just certain people in your school who were just like smashed every sport. Do you remember at what point you kind of discovered that cricket felt like it could be a real kind of pursuit after that and kind of like making that choice to pursue it fully was it something that was played in your household growing up or was it mainly at school like I'm interested to know a bit more about that specific journey yeah so not a single member of my family or my direct family played cricket so I've got a younger brother who's five years younger than me so obviously I didn't really you know a lot of people are like oh, I started playing because my older brother played well Buster's five years younger than me so um, I didn't learn too much off him and yeah my mum and dad didn't play I went to an after school club completely by chance they did like I think it was on Thursday afternoon for an hour and it was like tennis balls and plastic bats and whacking it around and getting muddy and that just sounded like the best idea to me so I was like yes Sam let's do it and then I just kind of kept going so I enjoyed it kind of as I got to an age where I had initial thoughts 
of what I wanted to do when I'm older, the England women went professional. So that's like the top 15 in the country. So it's kind of always like a, ah, oh, if I'm, you know, obviously if I'm really good, I want to play for England. Oh, and if I could play for England, then I'd be able to do it as a job. That'd be really cool. And then kind of when I, I got to 16, 17, and there were whispers of like domestic contracts, like full-time contracts. So until then it had been like, you'd kind of get a contract for like six weeks in the summer. Then you'd have to have like a job kind of for the rest of the year, effectively. But yeah, kind of when I was around 16, 17, there were whispers of, you know, these contracts going to come in, they're going to change the game. And it was like, oh, that's cool. Like I was obviously still at school, I was doing my A-levels. So I was like, you know, still, you know, I'm quite keen to, to do it, but I wasn't necessarily expecting to do it without playing for England. In my head, that was like, you've got to play for England if you want to do it as a job. And then I left school during COVID. So I was like at home on my 18th birthday and I like woke up to a phone call from my boss from uh, West Midlands Cricket saying we'd like to offer you a contract. And I don't think she knew it was my birthday because I kind of, there was no mention of it. There was no like happy birthday present, which I think I'd have <laughs> played on if I was offering someone a contract on their birthday. <laughs> it's quite a nice start to the day. And yeah, I kind of went downstairs after that and had some Cocoa Pops. It's just, I think it's just mad, obviously, that we'll get more into the kind of like gender split of sports and all of that, but you don't even always think about the fact that it's like most of the talented, amazing people who don't get into sport, it's not because they can't or wouldn't want to. It's because, you know, you don't necessarily always get the same kind of security from a future in it. So the fact that that's kind of happening in real time as you were growing into your like strengths as a cricketer is just like mad. But yeah. I think I was just obscenely lucky because I'm literally, I know I'm quite lucky because of my age but I also get to play with people who have kind of both sides of it so like some of the, my captain at regional level Eve she is 30 just turned 30 she didn't sign her first contract until she was 27 so she's had to kind of work out she's had to have a job and kind of train mm-hmm. alongside it and she's still kind of got to the level that she's at and like in my head I'm like oh that's bonkers because she's you know, playing at the same level as us. And she's been having a full-time job for 10 years alongside that. And that's a massive commitment. But then on the other side of it, one of our girls, Davina, she's just signed her first professional contract at 16. And she's like still in school. You know, I look at someone like Freya Kemp, who's just made her England debut last summer at 17. And these guys have kind of got it from, from day zero. And you look at them and it's so exciting because you think, well, if... I kind of look at the generation above me and think, well, look how far they got without any support. And then I look at the kind of my age, the year, you know, a couple of years below, we're just beginning to come through and thinking, well, if we have this support from when we're 18, from when we're 17, 16, 15 even, then like how 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 far could we push the game? And I, I think that's really exciting. Yeah, it's kind of wild. It kind of, it's, I guess it's similar to, to football as well. It's that kind of gender gap means that a lot of these people are just doing it because they love it and not because they thought there was going to be a career or any end in sight. So it's kind of amazing to hear that like people are coming up now and they're getting contracts straight away at 16. They don't have to wait that extra 10 years. So I guess, do you think things are getting better as far as women's cricket? Oh, absolutely. I think it's, it, the game is definitely growing. I think that obviously comes with challenges. We've kind of been, I'd say, caught in a, a bit of a limbo the last few years because there's not the money to make everyone professional at once because obviously that's 
kind of, you know, that's a massive sort of funding thing that, you know, there's not that sort of money lying around. So it's been a quite gradual, you know, at the start, there were three of us from each region that was contracted for the summer. And then another two got added to that in each region. So each region had five professionals. And then last winter, it went to six professionals. And now we're at seven or eight, I think, with that looking to go to 11 by the time the season starts. So, but we've been in a kind of phase where it's, you know, we've got some people in our team that are full-time professionals. And then some people, you know, we've got one girl in our squad who works for the police. And, you know, some work, some nights she does works with the police in the night and then she'll come to training at 9am having been you know on patrol all night and it's yeah it's it's been trying to trying to manage that dynamic I think but certainly the way it's going it's really exciting because you know even I keep saying it but how much the game's grown in the last three four years with it kind of being half professional suddenly that's you know I look at I think about in five years time that's going to look completely different and that's really really exciting I guess women am I right sorry that's how really like <laughs> can't they just skim some of the money from their moms and push it over <laughs> we need like more socialist sports <laughs> share the resources I don't think it's just a sport-wide issue that but that's a different yeah <laughs> well that's this podcast too but we'll get there <laughs> Yeah, something else that I'm really interested in is your heritage. And I think our producer was kind of talking about like the narrative of like British Chinese, but you obviously specifically have heritage, uh, Macanese heritage, I believe, on your dad's side. I just wanted to hear a little bit more about that. And if you have like a relationship with that, have you been able to dig into it and just anything you had to say there? Firstly, that is incredible research because I don't think I've ever been asked about my grand being from uh, Macau. But wow, yeah, genuinely, really? that life. Fair play. Um, That's the Gaudin yeah. way. Shout out, Aliwan. Shout out. <laughs> no, it's, I guess it's something that I never really thought of because that's that's just me and that's just kind of my family. And it sounds it sounds strange, but you don't really, I guess you think that's your normal. And then it's only when you start meeting other people and who kind of do the same thing as you that you realise that, you know, they're from different backgrounds as you, but actually what impact your own background can have and stuff like that. So yeah, it was like everyone kind of says, oh, like, did you find it harder because, um, you, you know, from mixed race family, whatever? And I'm I'm kind of like, no, I just, it was just, that's it's just your whole like, frame of reference. My, dad, my grandma, yeah. granddad's. But certainly, like, I remember going to, you know, see my grandma and she'd cook the most amazing food. We'd, she had a, like a lazy Susan in her house. So, like, we'd go and she'd put on like a massive spread of like, They'd kind of be everything. I'm quite a fussy eater. And my brother, who obviously I spoke about earlier, he's five years younger than me, but he's like super adventurous. Like we go to restaurants as, as kids, like as a family. And when I was kind of like 12 and he was must have been six and we'd get like three adults menus and a kid's menu. And I'd be eating <laughs> off the kid's menu, but like we'd have to order it for him because otherwise they'd be like, you can't have an adult on a kid's menu. So yeah, she'd cook everything from like, you know, all sorts of like noodles uh, seafood like she cooked like lobsters she, she used to drive up the m40 to our house come and like cook for us basically and she'd like pick up these lobsters in the way and just put them in the boot so if you were driving behind you could just see these lobsters like that hanging out a windscreen oh my gosh <laughs> yeah she was an amazing cook and kind of i'd say between you know her and my dad teach me about kind of my family on his side because they're kind of all over the world so i don't necessarily know them as well as my mom's side who are kind of based in england and you know we'd go on holiday and see them and stuff and yeah, it's it's pretty cool to, I guess, hear what people before you have done. And mm. obviously, you know, I've kind of 
quite lucky that they've done some quite incredible things and I get to eat their noodles. <laughs> <laughs> it, food is definitely like such a, I think like a language of love for immigrant yeah. families or like immigrant households to kind of pass down that thing. It's so, oh, that's such a nice story about the lobsters. <laughs> also, I guess, speaking of family ancestors doing incredible things, are we right to think that you have a spy in the family or had a spy in the family yeah, had a spy in family. Not anymore. Unless my your brother has got a secret <laughs> Was it your great-great-grandmother? Great-grandmother? Yes. So I think it was... I, I, I always mess these up. It's really bad because people ask me about it all the time. But I think it's World War Two, and she spied on the Japanese for the, the British government, I guess, and ran some sort of spying network. I don't know too much about spies. I'm a cricketer. But... No, we've got. I think that's the, the point of spies to not Cross. know much about them. Is it St George's Cross the medal you kind of get for doing uh, good things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We've, we've got her one of them. It's like downstairs. Yeah. I remember kind of being in the Scouts when I was younger, having the Remembrance Day parade. One year, my dad let me wear it, but told me I wasn't allowed to jump up and down in case it fell off. But yeah, no, it's pretty. It's pretty uh, remarkable lady, I guess. And I, from what I've heard, she didn't take much shit from anybody, which is kind of, I guess, well, certainly to. My grandma, who's no longer with us, but she she didn't take any shit from anybody. She was great. And I guess that's that, that kind of attitude, obviously, we're not in war times, fingers crossed, at the moment. But I think kind of that attitude has certainly been passed down. And I guess, yeah, to be able to run a network of spies against the Japanese in a world war is, is something that's pretty, pretty remarkable, actually. Yeah, that sounds like a film. <laughs> I would yeah. watch that. That's a film <laughs> yeah, I would, it, it sounds really pretty mad, doesn't it? And... But, you know, you, I kind of get asked on, like, podcasts and things and they're like, oh, you know, we want to talk about cricket and, you know, what you do so cool. And then they're like, oh, my God, your great-grandma was a spy. And I'm like, doesn't it make me look pathetic? <laughs> I just run around a field and chase a ball. But, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Your grandmother was a spy so that you could run around a field and chase a ball. Is there, that part, you know? It's all connected. Go. It's all connected. <laughs> We're just going to take a quick break and we'll be back after this for the extract. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I think it's time for us to get into your wonderful extract, if that's okay. Yes, and just before you read it, it'd be great if you could give us just a little bit of context about the one that you've chosen for us today. Yeah, so I was about kind of, I guess, 13. I'm not too sure. Probably around the time. So I, I went away to boarding school at 13. So I had quite a big change in, you know, I went to the local school that's a mile down the road to kind of being at boarding school a couple of hours away from home and coming back every three weeks. So it was probably quite a big change in my life around the time. I'm not too sure um, when it's from, but um, like I said, massive Liverpool fan, kind of all the way through my life. So that I guess that's been pretty constant from, from day one. I love watching Liverpool. Anfield is one of the places where I'm most happy. My whole family supports Liverpool and we share our love for the club by travelling together when we can to watch them. The highs of watching football are irresistible. The lows are really painful. I've been going to watch them for years. I feel part of it all. It's not just my mum, my dad, my brother. It's all of us. We win together, we lose together. And that's the rest of the Liverpool fans too. It feels great to be part of something bigger, to be part of a community. You might not know the other fans with you on the cop, but you all want the same thing. When we sing you and never walk alone, it feels like we're all together. Here in a packed out Anfield on a European night makes the hairs on my back of my neck stand up. And when you feel that connection with the players too, you know that they're giving it everything because they love the badge in the same way that we love the badge. I think Liverpool's connection as a club between the players, the manager and the fans is a very special one. When they win, it's a win for all of us. And when they lose, we all share that pain. It's a special football club to support and to share that with your family. I'm very happy that Liverpool are my team. Yeah, thank you so much for reading that out for us. What was it like reading that extract kind of years after you first wrote it? You say years after, but I don't think much has changed, to be fair. I still, yeah, love going to the football. Obviously, it's been challenging with COVID the last few years and then kind of playing, I guess, more and more. It's been, you know, at the weekends, so it's harder to, to get to the game. But no, definitely, I don't think much has changed since, you know, 13-year-old me. You know, last year, I went away to Paris for two nights for the Champions League final and... I had to kind of, I think I had to get the train there and the plane back. And I got the plane back the morning of the game I was playing in that evening. But I'd missed the last two Champions League finals we got to. And in my head, I was just like, I can't miss another one. You know, especially, well, especially the way we've gone this season. At the time, I thought, you know, if we don't get to another one in my life, then I'll be, I'll be gutted that, you know, I missed out because I didn't want to want to risk the flights or whatever. I mean, yeah, obviously not the result we wanted, but I'm so glad that, I made it there and, you know, I guess my whole family was there as well, which was quite special. You know, meeting, we all kind of came separately. So like I I had to get an earlier train there because by the time I booked it, all the trains were booked out, all the planes were booked out. So I had like a day in Paris, just like kind of milling around. And then my dad joined me 
Um, and then my mum and brother came in the morning of the game and all the kind of dad's mates who he's been going to the football with since he was my age were there. And I bumped into one of my mates from school, like in the ground that I hadn't seen since I left. And it was, yeah, it was really, really quite like it, it feels like a community. And yeah, it was really like 100% glad I went. Interesting. And do you remember like where the love of Liverpool first started? Because I remember my my dad was an Arsenal fan, but like we never really know how we got there. And it just kind of <laughs> felt like a slightly random choice, maybe an unlucky one that we just all had to kind of stick with for the rest of our lives. Yeah, well, not at the moment. Tell you what, what a chance <laughs> I know, but how long did it take? How long did it take? Ah, <laughs> oh, so my dad's so my dad's put in Liverpool. I, I get a lot of stick for this actually, so I'm quite I'm quite pleased to clean it up publicly because like no one from my family is from Liverpool, and obviously at the moment we're doing you know we've been doing pretty well the last few years. So everyone just says, oh, you just like you're just a glorious supporter. But genuinely, my dad's been supporting them since he was my age. So he lived in London. He's obviously you know half Chinese. And he just loved football. He'd try and just go to whatever games he, he pretty much could. He, he loved playing. I think he played football all the way through and played, you know, Sunday League stuff when he came out of uni and stuff. And he, he just loves football. He coached my brother's team now. He loves lives and breathes it. Spreadsheets for everything. Absolutely loved it. But he kind of just went to games whenever he could. But kind of as a mixed race guy in London, you know, there are some kind of, I guess, sets of fans that, Probably it wasn't as welcoming as it potentially could have been. And he got tickets to a Liverpool game one time. I Well, this is how he said it to me anyway. He just said the fans were so good good to him and just kind of welcomed him in and everybody felt friendly. And he felt like he was kind of, I guess, part of that family straight away. And he just, he just kind of kept going, I guess. And, you know, I don't know how long he's been a season ticket for, but it's certainly since I was born. He put me on the list for a season ticket the day I was born and I've still not got one. I'm still 7,000th in the list, having been on it for 20 years and four months, whatever. But That is wild. Yeah, absolutely wild, isn't it? But so, yeah, he's literally been supporting them since then. And then I guess for me and my brother, you know, we've been going since we were, I think my brother went to his first match when he was six months old, something like that. And yeah, we've we've kind of, I guess, felt the same sort of sense of community that he felt those years ago. So lovely. I'm always so like amazed by like diehard football fans. I'm like, but it's just a game. It's just the ball <laughs> in a net. And then the Euros happened and I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, indeed. Yeah. I'm crying. <laughs> and I don't even know these people or understand the offside rule. <laughs> so it's so beautiful that you've kind of built this community. And yeah, so interesting. I think for a lot of people of colour and black people, it can feel a bit hard or testing to be a fan or something when... You know, it feels like a lot of the culture around it doesn't like us and all the all the players. So, yeah, it's, it's great that um, you managed to find a home and community uh, within Liverpool. You said you're around 13 when you wrote this. Yeah, what was life like around that age? You're in boarding school. Yeah, what were your primary concerns and needs? I guess going away to school was quite quite strange in a way. Because I'd kind of gone because, you know, I love my cricket. The school was really, really, you know, had like a cricket centre. It was really good for cricket. So I was like, oh, sound. It's cool. But I guess until I kind of got there, I, hadn't, I thought that like everyone would kind of like be like me and not know anyone. And then I kind of got there and there are things called prep schools. I didn't even know prep schools a thing when I went. So a prep school is like a primary school, but a private one. 
and they go until 13 because most boarding schools start at 13, not 11. So like a prep school goes all the way until year eight. I did not even know. So like all of these kind of people that I was now in school with had gone to prep school together since they were like three. And I'd, I'd not even thought about that, to be fair. I'd never been, I'm not, I'm not a massive socialiser. I've never been that sort of person that has like loads and loads of friends and like, I don't know, goes out for Nando's with their friends on a Friday. I don't know. I'm, I'm not that sort of person. I, I'd rather... You're even just like trying to think of a scenario. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> like, I don't know, what, are, what do people, do, people like, do with friends? <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's, that's never been me. So like, uh, when I was just at my local school, it was like, I was... Like I'm I'm friendly with people. Like I'd kind of go to school and kind of get on with people, but I never really took that away from school. Like the only person I saw from my old school outside of school was a girl called Paige who lived next door to me. And like her brother was best friends with my brother. So like we kind of convene and like me and Paige are the most different people you ever. I don't think I think she does dance. That was her sport. She was like a dancer. And I was like, I love football, I love cricket. Um, and we kind of bonded over the fact that we had to walk the same mile to school every day. And like to be fair, we still get we still get on now. I still see her about and stuff. And but like that was that was the only kind of socialising I did outside of school. And then to be like, right, I'm going to boarding school and now I live there. I find that really like I find it weird for the first few weeks mm. because I was like, why are they still here? Like I woke up this morning, I had breakfast with them. I then went to lessons with them, had lunch with them. Go away. We <laughs> sport together. Then we went to dinner together. And then we did our homework together. And now we're having a shower, not actually having a shower together, but like we're having a shower in the same building. We're brushing our teeth together and now we're sleeping in the same room. Like, when do I, when do I sit on When's own? me time? Yeah. When's fizzy time? <laughs> <laughs> Hundreds of siblings all at once. Yeah. But I kind of, at the start, because obviously I didn't know anyone. So I remember lying in bed in my first night, looking at the ceiling. I remember it vividly. Look, there was a gap in the curtains, and the street light was coming through. So I could kind of see shapes on the ceiling, and I just remember lying there like this, looking at the ceiling, being like, "I'm in a room of five strangers. What if one of them's a serial killer?" <laughs> and that was just a chance I took. And luckily they weren't. But yeah, it was like at the start, it was definitely challenging. And but I think, like you said, it's like having hundred siblings. There were. 60 girls 70 girls in my boarding house all the way from 18 to 13 so at the start it felt like I had 59 older sisters and then in the middle it kind of felt like a family because you know I knew the ones above me really well I was kind of getting to know the younger ones and then you know towards the end it was actually like oh this is you know the girls that these are girls that I've literally lived with for five years and kind of I guess like myself and Paige, we're all very different. You know, some of us, uh, like there was me who kind of like played cricket and watched Liverpool. And then there were some people who like played lacrosse and braided their hair. And there were some people who loved singing and did that. And there's some people who ran across country. And there were some people whose genuine passion for life was Latin. But we all got on so well. That's prep school vibes was, right there. and I was just like it's a dead language mate grow up but I didn't actually say that but I thought it a lot but yeah it was it was quite I guess nice that you know through being forced to spend time with each other we actually forged you know some really strong friendships which I guess you'd only get from you know watching people brush their teeth for five years from sleeping within three meters of somebody from I think you kind of just 
you get to that level with them where you just know them inside and out and you could see someone you could watch them walk into the kitchen one day and be like oh they're having a rough day like maybe i'll make them a cup of tea or something and it's kind of those unspoken things that i guess i'd probably not not really had that much until then yeah i'm really interested in like do you feel like it shaped you or brought you out of your shell in in some way as well 100% 100% like I said I've never been like that social like I hated I hate believe it or not I hate speaking like I, I hate I've never speak I've never like I'd never do this be on a podcast I'd never I, I wouldn't read in class I wouldn't kind of do it like I was I was chatty enough but as soon as it was like formal speaking I was like absolutely not and then obviously I kind of got more comfortable around the people I was with and within a kind of standoff with an English teacher I ended up um, doing a bit of public speaking and I guess that's actually, of all the things that have kind of helped shape me from being at Shrewsbury, actually that English teacher when I was 15 telling me to enter the poetry reading competition and take myself seriously and me being like, well, fuck you, I'm going to take this seriously, ended up winning the thing. Actually, that's, for me, that was like, at the time, I was just like, fuck you, I'm going to win it because you've told me I'm not going to win it because I'm not taking myself seriously, so fuck you, I'm going to win it. But then... I look at myself now and had I kind of not got over that fear of I'm going to speak in front of, you know, start 20 people and then it went to 100 people. And, you know, now it's like you kind of, you know, sometimes you play a game on Sky and if you do well or you do really badly, one of the two, Sky I want to speak to at the end. And it's like you kind of stood there and, you know, there might be a million people watching that. And I don't think 13-year-old Izzy would have been able to do that. But... So it's not actually, I guess, the cricket or the things. It's, you know, sometimes it's those less obvious things that actually have had a massive impact. Um, because I think that's that's how the game's going to grow. We've gone off on a bit of a tangent here, but I think I feel like things grow because of the, the personalities in them. Because, like you say, I don't, I don't know any of these people. They're just throwing a ball around on a field. But actually, if you can kind of, sounds silly, but if you can show a bit of yourself, then maybe someone will be able to relate to you. And yeah. then if somebody can relate to you, then they're, suddenly they're invested. And like for me, I loved watching Fernando Torres as a kid. I had like longer hair than I do now. I used to like wear a headband, long sleeve Torres shirt, I'd, like run around just because I loved his kind of vibe. And like he's the first Liverpool player I like was completely I've still got like a, a, a Torres shirt in my room, like on the wall. And he left 10 years ago. I cried myself to sleep the night he left. But like he was the first one that I remember like connecting with, and yeah. I like like sometimes I like see a ball and I like kick it, kind of, Torres like that. <laughs> um, like, do you know what I mean? It's but it's, I feel like it's those connections with the athletes, like that. That's part of the reason I love Liverpool. And maybe if I can show a bit of me, you know, somebody might watch that game by chance once and be like, oh, you know, I like her earring. That's cool. Or like she's smiling. That's cool. Or like she said something funny and took the bit took the piss out of herself on an interview like that's cool uh, like that's funny like maybe I'll watch again and I think that's how the game grows because like nobody would watch robots play football nobody would watch robots play cricket like nobody watch robots do anything because robots there's nothing about them they just yeah. like that and it's like that's, oh that's great that is but, that's a very interesting point <laughs> yeah 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 give it give it a hundred years <laughs> no that is so interesting I think even for me it was the same it was like Thierry Henry and like Van Persie and then like Fabregas and like I can literally name you the squads of like the formative years they were very good looking as well that did help um 
but they're also like yeah it's like a human connection obviously spent a long time away from your family in boarding school how did that kind of if it did uh, that separation change your relationship with your parents or your brother yeah it's a good question because like I felt like I guess it's prepared me quite well for being away now like we go away on tour for six weeks and I'm like oh that's fine I've done this before like I don't necessarily miss home when I'm away now but I think at the time I didn't necessarily miss them when I was away because I was cool and I was a teenager and I was completely self-sustainable but it was when I came home that I was like I was I was it took me a few kind of days sometimes a week maybe to like find my feet again and even little things like they started watching like Vikings on the telly like every night they'd watch an episode of this tv program and it'd be like oh like we're gonna watch tv now like this is what we do like do you want to come watch with us but they're like seven seasons in so I'd be like sat there be like what, what am I watching and I guess it like, like I said it kind of prepared me quite quite well but it was it was certainly took a took you know even my mum admits it now I'd come back from school and be really grumpy and just sit in my room until I kind of felt like I, I could come out again and I think especially maybe with my brother obviously there was quite a big age gap so but now like suddenly he's a man like I kind of left for school and he was like this how old was he when I left he might have been like eight and now like I kind of came back during Covid and he was kind of like maybe not a teenager but like he not like started to grow you know what I mean he hadn't started to grow and then like with cricket and stuff I've kind of been here there and everywhere like I spent five months in Australia last year I kind of you know I spend countless weeks in traveling around in hotels and stuff playing around the country and then I feel like I feel like I noticed him growing up so much more because I'm, I've not been there and you know even if it's like I go away for a week and I come back and I'm like whoa you're four you're four inches taller or you know your voice has got all squeaky like this and it's it's pretty cool to to I guess be able to watch but I guess it's something that you really kind of notice at that stage in his life yeah. even like we got a cat last year and when we got her she could like hold her in your hand and like I went away for five weeks playing and I came back and she was like a small cat but she was firmly a cat as opposed to like a ball of fluff and then I went away for five months like I said and came back and I'm like oh my god you're a real cat like please forgive me for going away and she's like meow yeah trust I guess it's like and and also the like the older you get I guess you become even more aware of like how fast time can pass and that's such a specific way of like it's almost like I don't know why it's reminding me of like you know in a Disney film where they watch you watch a kid grow from like an adult and they just show you like snapshots and it's just like oh and now they're over the bridge yeah. <laughs> literally and they're just like slowly transitioning it's like you're kind of seeing that happen in real time I'm interested like do you have any kind of like routines now or rituals or like things that you do with your family to like kind of connect or with just home in general to make you feel uh yeah just to, I guess like to help you feel more settled and more connected when you are in your home in the in the country you know with your family with people you love we always we always eat the same like I think it goes back to me being a fussy eater again but we always eat the same kind of meals I'm not sure if that kind of counts but they like they always make a joke that they can um so I spend like a lot of the time I spend in the week away at training and then I spend the back end of the week at home. Um, my dad always jokes that they can have mushrooms at the start of the week because I'm not there. But as soon as I come back, they're not allowed to have mushrooms because I don't like mushrooms. So, but I guess it's kind of, 
yeah, like we come back and we we eat the same. Well, we eat things that I like, I guess, which is quite nice. I what do we do? I don't even know. Like we go to the football. Like that's like quite a big a big thing. That like if I'm around and there's a game, it'll be like right, let's let's get to the game. Or you know, if there's a game on, let you know we we'll sit and watch the game. And that's that's probably the only time me and my brother actually sit down and watch telly is when Liverpool are playing and we we'll like sit down next to each other. And he's like, he's got the same like lucky hat he's had since he was seven, and he's always in his lucky hat. And like, depending on the time of game, he's either in his dressing gown and his scarf, or just his scarf. Not obviously just his scarf, but and like that's that's quite a big, I guess, bonding time. Mum will do the ironing. Like you know, we're going to win when Mum does the ironing. It's when Mum's not doing the ironing and Liverpool are on the telly that we think, oh, we could be in trouble here. Like you know, quickly crumple some shirts so that they can get ironed because the light, ironing seems to be the lucky charm. But yeah, I guess it's the little things. Oh, it's lovely. Also, what's your go-to picky eater favorite meal? Chicken and chips. You can get it anywhere in the world. Chicken and chips. Straight away. <laughs> <laughs> you can't it's get it wrong. Always, it's actually always chicken and chips with fussy eaters. Eat. It's, it's always something about that. Chips. Yeah. I, everyone asks if I can cook, right? And I always say, like, I'm, I like what I know and I know what I like. So, and I can cook what I like. And, you know, there are variations of things that I like that, you know, I, I can cook. And I feel like I do a pretty good job on them. Like, if you ask me to cook something that I didn't like, I'd be like, well, why would I cook something I don't like? Because I don't get to eat it. That's part of the enjoyment of cooking for me is to eat it at the end. But, yeah, chicken and chips, it's it's also doesn't, doesn't seem like a very athlete answer. What would your coaches have to say about about that? Well, it wouldn't be chicken and chips to them. It'd be chicken and potatoes. And that's, oh, that's a big difference. Okay. Like steam. Totally different. <laughs> Some kind of steam, steam situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's not often we get to reflect upon moments in our lives where we experience pure joy so is there a time in your childhood that you can remember that you felt absolute joy that's a big question isn't it I remember I remember having fun and but I actually think like the moment you're kind of prompting me to remember I wouldn't say it's my childhood I remember like so this summer I made my England debut which obviously something that I'd kind of dreamed of for like my whole life and it was in a test match so for those people who don't know cricket a test match is like some people call it the purest form of the game so men get to play loads of test matches but as women we we get to play maybe once a year if we're really lucky but sometimes it's like once every three years like they're really rare and it's like quite a big deal because like you get to wear like whites like traditional whites and you like play for like four days five days from this year and it's like it's a it's a whole it's a whole hoo-ha it's a whole thing it's great but like everyone's like test cricket is the pinnacle like it's it's like, like it's cricket, it's like, yeah, test cricket's up here, it's great. So I was lucky enough to make my debut in a test match. They'd been quite like an emotional day, I guess, because before you play your first game, you get a cap. So there's an amazing video somewhere on the England cricket Twitter. I urge you to find it and watch it and cry, it's great, of me getting presented my test cap by Catherine Brunt, who was, no shame, she was my idol growing up. And so that was, yeah, really kind of special moment. I think for both of us, I think we both probably shed a tear or two and it was amazing. But then later that morning, I kind of, I came on to bowl and I got my first wicket and it was like, kind of, it was what you dream of. Like it was, it was bold. So it was like the classic kind of like the sound of the ball hitting the stumps. And then I just remember like, kind of just like, just, just running. And I remember hearing the ball hit the stumps and then just like running and being like, ah, because like you always kind of worry that like you're not going to get one and I felt like every ball I was like come on like get get one and get the first one out of the way and once you've got one then like if you never get another one that's okay but like you've got one 
And I remember getting that wicket and for that, like, maybe, like, 10 seconds of, like, kind of just running and then, like, all my teammates kind of coming in and like, rubbing my head and my best friend was running drinks. And I remember her, like, sprinting on and she was in a bib with, like, the drinks holder and she's, like, sprinted on and come and gave me the biggest hug ever. And it was, like, we... Yeah, she's one of my best mates and to kind of... I guess like I remember seeing her like run on and be like, oh yeah, like, I've done it, and that that was like that was really cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna go look up that video and have a cry today. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's like yeah, it must be the stuff that dreams are made of, especially for you guys. Oh my god. Our final questions are thinking about that 13 year old self who's kind of adjusting to boarding school life, and I guess like almost in a way your extract feels like a way of connecting with your family when you can't physically be with them and that thing that kind of like connects you all together. What advice would you give to that younger self if you could? I guess say yes to more things. I'm quite like a, I think I'm an honest person. If I want to do something, I'll say yes. I won't hesitate in saying yes. I'll just be like, I want to do it, yes. But mm. equally, if I don't want to do it, I'm like, no. I'm people, oh, no, no, you should do it, you should do it, like, it'd be good. And I'm like, but I don't want to do it, so I'm not going to do it. I think that's so ingrained in me now that it's actually quite... I guess it's kind of hard to be like, oh, I don't want to do it, but like I'll give it a go. And I actually think if if I'd younger me had been like, oh, like, don't feel that comfortable doing it, but like I'll do it anyway, then maybe I'll, I'd I'd be naturally saying yes to more things, more meals now other than chicken and chips. But maybe you'll be down Nando's on a Friday. Yeah, very <laughs> very chips. How good <laughs> they are, delicious, and. Very last question. What would your younger self think about where you are now? Oh, they think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. I think it's great. I think the whole idea of it is like sometimes practically it's like you have a bad session and it feels like the end of the world. And like suddenly you're like just in the ho- on the way home in the car and you're just like crying. And I'm like, why am I crying? Like I bowled some balls that weren't very good, but like there's just bigger things to worry about. But like at that time, it feels like the end of the world. But I think actually when I take a step back and actually one of the biggest things that highlights this for me is going out for brunch because we don't work office hours. So like I could get a text from a mate being like, do you want to go for brunch tomorrow? And I'm like, yeah, cool. And then we go out for brunch and it's like, oh my God, this place is empty. This place is amazing. Why is it so empty? And it's like, because it's 11 o'clock on a Tuesday. That's why it's empty because people have jobs and it's 11 o'clock on Tuesday. But like I'm doing this amazing job where I can go out and get brunch whenever I want and travel the world playing cricket which is what I love and you know see my best mates all around the world and kind of playing catch with them like how cool is that love that thank you so much Izzy it's been a pleasure thank you thank you for having me oh yeah that was so sweet Izzy was so sweet yeah we finally had our first athlete yeah and now I I don't know whether it's just like, it must be me projecting, but now I just feel like I have to go to the gym. <laughs> I mean, do you know what's so weird? I randomly, I went to adult gymnastics yesterday. Did you? <laughs> I was watching a because TikTok about Adam, adult gymnastics yesterday. It was, yeah, because I used to love it when I was a child and I was like, I can cartwheel, okay. time to shine mm-hmm. again. Um, not realising like 20 years had passed. <laughs> Honestly. I thought I was going to end up in A and E. It was, was so it your first fun. class. It was oh my, my first god! Class. I and they were trying that. to make me do the splits, um, bro. So, I wasn't so ready. you you come from a gymnastic background? Background. 
I barely say that. I was just a stretchy kid with too much energy that liked to cartwheel. Um, okay, cool. I did a bit of gymnastics as a kid. Yeah, um, me too. So yeah, I, I like sports when I was yeah. younger. What okay, yeah. I, 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 I did g- gymnastics for years and I did dance for years. And then I was like, a, I was a sprinter, but I hated sport. And I just really found it like, I think I hate that organized aspect of this. And I think we might have talked about it once on the show before. Like mm. I just, the idea of PE <laughs> and like organized sport and sports day it and competition and it all being enforced. Like it genuinely gives me like war flashbacks. But yeah. at the same time, I also really enjoyed outside of that, the actual act of movement and like, I am also like you where I'm like, I just wish I like kept some of that up and just like, yeah. it didn't leave it 20 years. And now I, I, like I was the same, I could do the splits. Now I'm like, I can barely touch my toes. I can barely <laughs> tie my shoelaces. You know what I mean? The thing of like girls stop sports around 14 or 15 usually. Why do you, why do they Which say is, that is? Yeah, I think because you're going through puberty and becoming a bit more self-conscious yeah. and yeah, kind of how boys are treating you. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think there's kind of a teetering off, which is sad because I, I really enjoyed a lot of sports. I'm just mainly like, I'm not a group sports girly. I don't yeah. want to play yeah. games with other people. I want individual yeah. sports. Swimming, climbing, gymnastics. I don't want to be on a team. 100%. <laughs> 100% agree with that. If I could play netball alone as well, I'd probably yeah. do that. <laughs> and I win every time. And I'd win every time. <laughs> this has been an ii studios production thank you so much for listening we really hope you enjoyed this episode don't forget you can sign up to become a member at gal-dem.com for access to exclusive discounts with our favorite brands and partners early access to tickets for galdem events an advanced copy of our annual print issue and so much more Make sure you're following us on all major social media at galdemzine or visit our website at gal-dem.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 